In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of the Coptic month of Beba, and we read in the Gospel the story of when the Lord Jesus Christ was present at the funeral um, in a procession uh, for a young man who was the son of a widow. And Christ touched the coffin that this man was in, and he rose from the dead. And we read that after the people saw this miracle in Luke 7:16, it says, Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. But we know that in the end, the majority of the Jewish people rejected Christ. The majority of the people who saw all of the miracles of the Lord, who saw all of the things that he did, who saw how he fed the multitude with the five loaves and the two fish, we saw the people who saw this man who rose from the dead, that in the end the majority of the Jewish people rejected Christ and they, they, were, they were the ones yelling, crucify him, crucify him. So we can ask the question of why is it that all of these people did not become disciples? Why is it that even though they saw this miracle and even though they said, a great prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people, that even though they acknowledge these things, why is it that they did not transform their lives? Why is it that they did not take a different direction or path in their life? Why is it that they didn't truly believe and, and to accept in faith that this is the, the Messiah, that he is someone come from God, that they would listen to him and that they would turn from their sins and lead a different kind of life? All of these people saw the miracles, but they did not turn. What are some reasons maybe we can meditate on that, that even though these people saw the power of Christ, they did not follow him to the end? The first reason why maybe they did not follow him to the end is because they were feeding only on spiritual sparks. Meaning that in that moment when they saw this miracle happen, they were excited and they were motivated, and they felt like some amazing miracle has happened in front of them, and, 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 and they were excited in the moment, but it did not last very long. When, when they went back to their homes, maybe they went and they spoke with their friends about what is it that they saw, but after a few days and after a few weeks, the life went back to the way that it had been from the beginning, um, with all of the cares and the worries and the busyness and the responsibilities and, and, and the habits, everything went back again exactly like it was. Because maybe they experienced this emotional thrill and excitement in that moment, and they, they concluded from that that there was something magnificent and wonderful that had happened, and yet, it did not sink in to the level of their actions. It did not sink to the level of, what is it that I should change? What is it that I should do now that I have seen? What is it that I have seen? Examples of maybe uh, people who are at this level, uh, people who maybe only pray according to their feelings. Like when I feel like praying, when I have a strong emotional reaction to something, a strong emotional reaction to a sermon, a strong emotional reaction to something that I read in the Bible, then in for a very short-term period of time, then I'll say, okay, I'm I need to pray. I will pray maybe for a few days, and then after a while again, maybe that um, emotion dies down, and my, my prayer dies down as well. Maybe a person also kind of who is suffering from this kind of uh, spiritual sparks is someone who is very mindful of the gifts of the Spirit more than the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are the, the, the gifts that God gives to us. Um, the gift of teaching, the gift of miracle working, the gift of, 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 of doing wonderful things, the gifts that God gives. The fruit of the Spirit is different. 
The fruit of the Spirit is the virtues that are manifested in those who follow Christ. The, 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 the fruit of humility, the fruit of kindness, the fruit of gentleness, the fruit of patience. These are the fruits. These are the things that will be manifested in the life of a believer over time as they continue to follow Christ and to walk with Him. But a person who is again maybe uh, motivated by, emo by emotional experience, they're not thinking so much about the manifestation of patience and, and virtue and things like that in their life. They're thinking more about the, the, what kind of like awesome power God is giving me, what kind of awesome blessing that God is giving me, what, what great work is happening in front of me and in me, and this is maybe where my focus is. And such a person is easily deceived. We read actually in the, the Paradise of the Fathers many stories about even monks who are very righteous and holy people who are deceived by the, the work of Satan in their lives, who pretended to be an angel, who pretended to be Christ himself, who pretended to be someone who was a righteous and holy person and deceived these people maybe because they were not grounded. So the first reason maybe why we see that these people who saw these miracles that the Lord had done did not become disciples and did not follow him to the end is because they were feeding only on these spiritual sparks. The next reason that maybe the people do not follow to the end is because they realize what is the cost of discipleship. You know, when, when the rich young ruler came to Christ, he came with enthusiasm. He came wanting to know. He wanted, he said, what is it that I should do to inherit eternal life? He came with a desire to follow, and he, and he wanted to take some action and some steps. You know, he, he was far better than the person who just stayed at home and did nothing, right? He actually took the time and the effort to find Christ, to come to him, to ask him this question, what is it that I should do to attain eternal life? But then the Lord, when he responded, he said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And he told the man to sell all that he had. We read that he walked away. He walked away sad because he was a wealthy man and he had an attachment to his money. And he, he felt like he could not do what is it that the, the Lord asked him to do. So why is it that he did not become a disciple and follow Christ? Because he, 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 did not, he did not realize the cost of this discipleship. The cost of discipleship, when he realized it, it caused him to walk away. Maybe sometimes we feel <clears throat> that the, the being a believer, a follower of Christ, is something that costs us nothing. Something that is, is just, it's a free gift that God gives us, but he doesn't ask of us anything to give him in return. He never asks us to do anything. He never asks us to... To, to orient our lives or to change our lives or to do anything at all. It's just a blessing. I receive a blessing from God and that is all. But when I begin to learn and understand what is it that is asked of me, then maybe things change. Can I really continue and to the end? Can I really follow, be a follower of Christ to the end? Maybe this is another reason why people do not continue to the end. Third reason that people might not continue to the end is because they have unmet expectations of God. There was a time where the Jewish people they wanted to take Christ and to make him a king by force. They saw him that this is the man who was the, the prophesied Messiah, the one whom the, Holy, the whole Testament spoke about, and they realized that he was a miracle worker, and they said, this is the Messiah, let us go and force him to be the king. We will make him our king because he is the one who will grant us freedom from the Romans and that we are will no longer be an oppressed people and he will restore the kingdom of David. And so they had this high, high, high expectation of who he was and what is it that he was going to do for them. But it says that the Lord escaped and he did not allow them to make him the king because of course this was not the type of king 
that he came to be. And then the people became very um, disillusioned with him. He, he was not the person that they thought he was. He was there offering them a spiritual kingdom, but they were more interested in uh, a, a, a physical kingdom. They were more interested in defeating their earthly enemies rather in defeating their spiritual enemies. And so they did not want this type of king, and they rejected him. Maybe we also have unmet expectations of God. We, we want him to be an earthly king in our lives. We want him to grant us immediate victory, immediate success, immediate blessing, um, to overcome our enemies, to overcome every problem that I have, and to, to, to change our life in, in very fundamental ways. And that's not to say that he cannot and does not sometimes do this. But sometimes we have unmet expectations because we expect God to do something for us that he has no intention of doing and has never promised that he will do. Because maybe the thing that I ask of him is not good. Maybe I, I pray for something that is not good. And that is why God does not answer my prayer. Another example is sufferings. Why is it that we go through sufferings? We ask God, why God are you allowing me to suffer? Maybe there is a good reason why God is allowing me to go through different kinds of trials. And, 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 and St. Paul spoke to the Corinthians when he said that God allows us to go through trials because this light affliction that we are enduring for a moment is producing in us an eternal weight of glory. It is something for our good, for our eternal life, for our salvation. So we should endure it and accept it from the hand of God as being good for us. But again, maybe this is an unmet expectation. Maybe this is not what I expected from my life. And I did not expect God to allow these things uh, in my life to happen. Maybe some people will turn away and they say, this is not the person I, was f I, I thought I was following. I thought I was following a mighty king who was going to overcome all of my enemies and grant me success in every way. And then when I find that he does not, maybe I also become disillusioned. Maybe also when I see the prosperity of the wicked, when I see people who are my enemies, when I see people who are ungodly and wicked, are against God, and I see these people are successful, I see these people are wealthy, I see these people seem to be receiving everything that their hearts desire, and the things that I myself desire they are able to attain, and yet I do not attain, and I do not receive. Maybe this is also an unmet expectation. God has not granted to us the desires that we have in this world. He has granted a far greater thing. He has granted eternal life, life with him forever. And so we should not look at the prosperity of the wicked and envy those who are wicked, envy those who are successful by means of, of unrighteousness, because in the end, they will not inherit the kingdom of God, and our greatest blessing is to be among the citizens of heaven. So this is another reason maybe why some people do not continue to the end. Another reason people might not continue to the end is because of the trap of distractions. These people, again, that saw this great miracle of the Lord raising the son of the widow, they might have been very motivated in that moment to make some change in their life. But as I said before, they would go back to their life and they would see there are so many worries, there are so many concerns, there are so many responsibilities, there are so many things that I need to be spending my, my day doing every single day. And who has time? Who has time to think about God or for prayer or for reading the Bible? Or, or I, I barely have enough energy to take care of my personal needs. How now do you want me to have the energy and the time to focus on God and these things? There are so many distractions. There's also the distractions of being rich, for instance. Sometimes people orient their life around their career because they want to be successful and wealthy. And, and, and everything that they do is for that purpose. Or the desire for pleasure. The things that I do 
to try to find happiness in the world and pleasure that is in the world. This is another reason why maybe people do not follow to the end. They have a desire to do so, but the moment that they begin to experience the world and the real responsibilities that are in the world, they fall away. This is actually something that happens a lot even in some of the most faithful youth in the church. Because when they are younger, and they are committed to the church, and they come and they serve, and they come and attend, and they come and participate and are present in the church. And then as they begin to get older, as they go to college and the responsibilities increase, as they graduate and they begin to work full time and the responsibilities increase, as they get married and the responsibilities increase, and then as they have children and their responsibilities increase, maybe they are the same person that they were at the beginning. But now they are fighting a completely different type of, of battle, the battle of responsibilities. How can I juggle all of these things while at the same time being committed to my spiritual life? It is much more difficult. Maybe when I was younger, everything was easy. Everything was simple. I could stand and pray anytime. I could go to a Bible study anytime. I didn't have a lot of responsibilities. I didn't have a weight or a burden that I felt that I was carrying with me because I could go and do anything that I wanted at any time and time was plentiful. But as I got older, time is no longer plentiful. Now to offer my time to God is truly a sacrifice. It is truly a sacrifice. I'm, I'm giving of something that is a rare commodity. It's not something that is so plentiful that I can give my time here and here and here and every place. It is truly a sacrifice. And now it is a decision that I make. What is it that I give up? Just as the Lord had said to the rich young ruler when he said, go sell all that you have and come and follow me. Meaning, you will not be rich in those other ways, but you will be rich in the spirit. Maybe I will not have the time to do everything that I desire and everything that I want, but the time that I do have, that I dedicate to God, will be the one that will make me truly rich and truly blessed. Another reason that some people might not continue to the end is because they have a divided heart. Part of them wants to follow the path of God, parts of them want to be saintly and godly, but there are certain things in their life that they are unable to let go of. Certain things that they are attached to in the world. Maybe certain sins or certain habits or certain relationships. They are unwilling to let go of them because they are idols in their life. And so they try to straddle the line between these two worlds. The world of godliness and the world of, of spirituality and Christianity on the one side. And the world of worldliness. The world of ungodliness on the other side. Meaning there are certain things I enjoy. There are certain hobbies that I have. There are certain ways that I like to pass my time that are ungodly. There are things that we know for sure that God would reject these things, that God would not approve of these things. But we, t we, we try to make excuses for ourselves and we say, well, I can't be godly all of the time. I can't be doing the right thing all of the time. God will understand. God will have mercy on me. I try to find both of these worlds, combining both of these worlds together. But of course we know that the Lord said what? You cannot worship both God and mammon. You cannot have one foot in the kingdom of heaven and one foot away from him, away from God. We have to be a single united person. Either I am 100% in this way or 100% in this way, or otherwise we will be what the Lord said is, is lukewarm, in the, in the book of Revelation, and, and sadly he said to those who are lukewarm, he said, what, I will spit you out of my mouth. A very kind of um, disturbing image of what God is saying. He's saying you cannot, be, you cannot be lukewarm, you cannot be in the middle. Either be hot or be cold. Either live your life for yourself or live your life for me, but you cannot have it both ways. You cannot have a divided heart. What is my goal? Is my goal to be united with Christ? 
Or do I have other goals that actually lead me away from Christ? Do I have a love of God and a love of the world at the same time? I cannot love God and also love the things that God hates. It is impossible for me to love God while at the same time loving the things that God hates. So maybe another reason why people um, are not following Christ to the end is because they have this divided heart. Maybe a good example of this person is Judas. Judas had a divided heart. He was a disciple of Christ. He was living and he saw and he performed miracles and he did all the things with the other apostles and he lived with Christ for three years. But he had this desire inside of himself, this desire for money, this desire for power. Maybe he did not agree with the way that Christ was living, how he was managing things. And so this divided heart, it became manifested toward the end and it resulted in what? In Judas betraying Christ for money something that he, he desired more than Christ himself. And so this is a reason why some people might not follow to the end. Another reason they might not follow to the end is because of a lack of commitment and discipline. People who choose to live without purpose. As I said again, when someone is younger, maybe um, the time is available for them to practice good habits almost for free. I have the time, and so I have the time to pray, and I have the time to serve in the church. And fasting is not a big burden for me. And praying is not a big burden for me. But the moment that my time becomes limited, now I have to introduce something in my life which is called discipline. Meaning I must intentionally choose to live my life a certain way and not let the day go by just on its own. Just whatever happens, happens. Uh, today, if I happen to have the time, I will do good. Today, if I happen to have the time, I will speak to God. Today, if I happen to be able to fast, okay, I'll fast. Let's just see how the day goes. That is not a, a, a disciplined life. And the more responsibilities we have, the more burdens we have, the less likely we will ever find any spare time or any free time to do anything that is good because we will be drowning in the world. We will be drowning with the busyness of the world. We'll be drowning with all the commitments, responsibilities being pulled in every direction. That is not a life of discipline. And anyone who wants to be successful in anything, they must decide and choose what to say yes to, to and what to say no to. Right? It is a choice that I make, and it is a choice that I have to decide from the beginning. How is it that I choose to live my life? It is a decision. I decide how I want to live, and based on that decision, I know what to say yes to and what to say no to. I know, I know how I'm going to spend my time, not because it is imposed on me, but because I have chosen to live my life and to use my time in a certain way. So a reason that some people who maybe started out with excitement, like those people who saw this miracle of the raising up of this woman's son would not continue to the end because that initial excitement is not going to carry them through to the end unless they make a commitment and live a life of discipline um, to the end. The last point that I want to mention of what maybe why people do not make it to the end is because they are looking for shortcuts. They're looking for some way to avoid the hard work. They're looking for some kind of way to get it for free. The lottery, the spiritual lottery. Let me win the spiritual lottery, and that way I can get to heaven for free without putting any of the work, without, without making any of the sacrifices, because it is just, I found, I found the trick. I found the way. Like this is the, maybe our culture is all about this. How do I get it for free? How do I do the least effort and get it for free? How do I get in shape in five days? How do I lose 100 pounds in two weeks? How, how do I, how do I do, how get the maximum results by putting the minimum effort? Because that is what I want. 
right? I don't want to have, I don't have to make effort. It's hard to make effort. It's hard to be consistent in making a sacrifice over and over and over. So tell me how I can find it, how I can get the same results by putting no effort. And maybe this is also, from a spiritual perspective, what we look for. How is it that I can be considered a child of God? How is it that I can get to heaven? But I don't want to do all of these things. I don't want to do all of this fasting. I don't want to do all of these prayers. I don't want to take all of these communion. I don't want to have all, you know, I don't want to make sacrifices in my life. I don't want to sacrifice the things that I like. I don't want to change my life. I don't want to make, make sacrifices. I just want to be blessed and to receive from God every good thing while I give nothing in return. You know, King David, when he wanted to make an offering to God, and, and someone w- was, was going to essentially give him, um, the, the property and the land that he wanted to make a, uh, he wanted to make an altar and to, to make, to offer sacrifices to God. So s- he was going to pay someone to, to purchase this property from him so he could make an offering to God on it. And, and, and the man said, no, if you're going to use this as an offering to God, I will give it to you for free. Right, I will give it to you for free. You don't have to pay anything. If you are, if you're going to use this to to, uh, to 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 build a temple, if you're going to use this to to build an altar to make sacrifices to God, uh, I will give you all of this for free. And King David responded, and he says, "What? No, I cannot make an offering to God with something that costs me nothing." Right, that's what he said. I cannot make an offering to God with something that costs me nothing, meaning it has to hurt a little. It has. To, I have to give of something that is hard. This is a demonstration of love. Otherwise, there is no love. The way that we know the love of Christ is because Christ, he 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 accepted to himself pain. He accepted to himself suffering, and because he willingly accepted suffering, we see his love for us. When we make a sacrifice for one another, we know that this is out of love. When, when someone who is close to me makes a sacrifice for me, this is a demonstration of their love for me. And so also, when we are seeking to be in a relationship with God, how is it that we demonstrate love to God? We demonstrate love by making a sacrifice of what is ours to give it to God. A sacrifice of my time. A sacrifice of my money. A sacrifice of my, of, of my thoughts, of my emotions, of my actions. I sacrifice in the way that I make my decisions. And everything that I do, there is no shortcut. Salvation is not for free. Christ granted us this free gift, but then he says, respond to me respond. How are you going to respond? Are you going to accept this gift or are you going to reject it? Um, so the last point I want to mention is this um, self-deceiving absolutions. Self-deceiving absolutions means that I grant myself permission to live a certain way because I make excuses for why I should be absolved to live that way. It, I, I absolve myself to live without fasting. I absolve myself to um, to, 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 to keep going with maybe a certain hobby or a certain activity that I enjoy doing and I tell myself, no, God accepts it. It is fine for me. It is too difficult for me to live otherwise. It is too difficult for me to completely cut out sin. So again, I will compromise and I feel comfortable because I have absolved myself. I have given my own self the excuse. Instead of feeling convicted that this is something that I need to change, I take the shortcut. I say, I can have it all and I don't have to give up um, anything. So finally, how is it that we can continue to the end? Number one, we have to have one goal at all times. What is my goal? 
my goal is that I want to be a child of God, that I want to com continue to be faithful to him to the end, regardless of the cost. That is my goal. I am not trying to straddle between the, the, the life in the world versus the life of God. I've chosen the life of God, and that's the only life that I have chosen. Um, make a new start every day. Don't let the mistakes and the failures of the past continue to be a burden on us as we move forward. Confess and repent whatever came before and start again. Start again every day. St. Anthony said, I make a, a new start every day. Don't worry about what happened before and don't be burdened by it. Make a new start every day. The third is persevere. Persevere, right? Don't, don't stop trying at the first failure, right? We will fail a lot. There will be a lot of failures. For the person who wants to get closer to God, there will be many, many failures. If we, f if we stop trying the first time that there is failure, we will never succeed. Always meditate on the end, meaning don't be distracted by the immediate um, things that allure us uh, in the world now. Always keep your mind focused on the end goal. What is the thing that I am really seeking? I am seeking heaven. I am seeking to be with with God for eternity. And then finally, walk with someone you trust. Have accountability. Confess your sins. Find a father of confession that you trust. Confess your sins and be accountable to him so that he is able to help you and guide you, encourage you, and motivate you to the end. So may God grant us to follow him to the very end and not be distracted to the left or to the right, no matter what happens to us in our lives. And glory be to God forever. Amen.